text me okay so i want to welcome everyone thank you first and foremost for joining me here for the first installment of the circle i appreciate just y'all just being here i know that we got some shows going on right now <laughs> jay we got some good shows going on right now so i appreciate your time i really do i don't take it for granted listen the circle is going to be amazing, though. So I want to break down what the circle is, and then I want to give a highlight, basically, um, how it's going to go and how it's going to go for the remainder of this tribe session. So the circle is just dialogue based on great areas that we disagree with or, or, not, or have different opinions on when it comes to Christianity and society as a whole. The circle is a place where we collectively talk about our differences without judging and possibly coming up with a solution to why we see the gray areas different. The model for the circle is united yet different. So that's gonna be the spirit in which we collectively have dialogue. We may see those differently, but we can still be united in what we say and what we do, okay? So the circle is also a space where what the church has avoided. So we're gonna ask some tough stuff. I'm gonna throw some questions out with the attention to be unified in the body of Christ. Now, this is how the circle is gonna go. The circle has gonna have four panel. They're gonna have, we're gonna have two men and we're gonna have two women and I'll tonight be the moderator. So what my part as the moderator is to simply provide questions, there he is, simply provide questions in which the panel will answer for the first 30 minutes. They will have healthy dialogue in that 30 minutes. After that 30 minutes is over, I want everybody else to provide questions, feedback, and even if you have questions to the panel, please ask, ask those questions. We give you that space to do that in that 30 minutes, okay? What I'm telling you now though, we not getting on here telling people they going to hell. We not getting on here telling people they, they're the spawn of Satan. We not doing it. What we're doing is having healthy dialogue. If that is what you about, you're just gonna be removed from the chat and be blessed in the city and the field, beloved, okay? Amen. So listen, we're gonna start the, we're gonna start the dialogue for the circle. Now tonight, I kinda like the topic tonight and I've been doing my research, but I'm just gonna love to hear the feedback from the panel and everybody else too. So the topic for tonight is sexism in the church 
And also, we're going to ask the subtopic has misogyny, has it hindered the progression in the church? So this is a good topic. So I'm going to start with my first question and I'm going to throw it to my panel. Before I do that, I have not introduced you my panel yet. The panel will change every week. I need you to know that. The panel will change every week. Me as a moderator, I won't be the moderator every week. What we want to do is have different voices every week, depending on the topic. So the panel this week, we have Jalen Reynolds. We have Marion. We have Bima Johnson. And we have my guy all the way from Trinidad. We have Ricardo Mitchell. Yo, is this scene, everybody? So for 30 minutes, we're going to allow them to speak. And then the remaining time we're going to give to our audience. Okay. Okay. So panel, the first question is this. Okay. I'm giving the, getting the first question. We coming out the gate swinging. I promise you. Okay. So does pornography create a misogynistic attitude in the church or was that those seeds already planted by misconstrued doctrine? Everybody's quiet. Are we going in order? Are we just talking? I, we just the talk. panel can talk. So the panel can talk. Um, I believe that it was bad doctrine from the beginning. Um, when you just think about what kind of Christianity was built on and like different things that's kind of in the Bible and how it was used to control. So I don't, I don't feel cause like porn is dated back, but the Bible is dated back further. That is what I'm saying. So I feel like it was doctrine that was taught and passed down, which kind of made up our norm norms today like what is modern and what is modesty and all of that so i feel like it was it was taught wrong we were taught wrong from the beginning <laughs> about certain things as to how women should be or how women should be treated what they should do what they shouldn't do um as a form of control that's really good that's really good that's really good yeah, I definitely agree with that because even when I think about um, when they, in the Bible, when they drug the woman out before Jesus because she was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, obviously she was caught in the act with somebody, but that the man wasn't brought out. It was her that was brought out. So it was like, I feel like that. So it was, I feel like it was before, um, honestly feel like I, that it was almost kind of before the, um, what am I trying to say? So not necessarily something that was brought on by Christianity or the Bible per se, but I think it was just something that was happening, you know, in the beginning of the time where women were saw as lower than a man. So this mm. woman, you know, she can be the one that can be drug out and stoned to death. But this man, obviously he has 
higher value. We can't afford to lose this man. He obviously he's somebody in the community. And this woman is just a prostitute, you know, or she's just a woman. So I think that, you know, women just have been viewed as um, lesser than. So, um, yeah, that's what I think. That's really good. That's really good. Fellas, what do you what's your take on this? Don't be afraid either. Don't let these women jump you. <laughs> Yo, um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, yeah, good night, everybody. Ricardo from Trinidad. Interestingly enough, I believe that sexual indiscretion has existed as long as we have had sexual identities, right? And if we look at pornography as a a, a, a version of sexual sexual indiscretion, I would believe that the fact that adultery and fornication mentioned as early as this is Old Testament. This is, this is, listen, I'm giving you these rules because my people are not behaving themselves accordingly. So the concept of uh, visual behavior that would negatively reflect sexual identity and sexual behavior, I don't think that pornography is a new thing to society. I think that as long as we have had free choice, we've also had sexual exploitations of such choice. So mm. in terms of pornography, modern pornography definitely has escalated something that has been consistent throughout society and human behavior. There is no doubt about it. Uh, in fact, I have a couple notes here, but the thing is that pornography sexualizes and hypersexualizes what would be otherwise normal interactions. So you have a situation where as far as pornography is hypersexualizing situations, we have fulfillments of fantasy and fulfillments of fantasy tend to diminish the value of reality because now you are expecting fantastical fulfillment in regular situations. The majority of pornography is directed towards male satisfaction. So mm -hmm. it definitely emphasizes and magnifies the concept and the visualization that we have and the behavior we will, we will mimic and seek in regular interactions. The thing is it existed as far as we had choice. In fact, if I remember, um, Noah's, Noah's sons, Noah's sons were part of our sexual indiscretion, just the fact that, you know, one of them saw him naked and went and told the others. The fact remains that we have always had sexual indiscretion. And even if you're looking at that example, it was not discriminatory to a woman. We saw a drunk, naked man, and it highlighted the fact that there was inappropriate behavior, even from that point. So I'm not disagreeing with the fact that pornography has definitely amplified it. But in terms of being able to pinpoint something that is responsible for it, I don't know if I could agree with that. All right, it's just the Bible or it was just a misquoted doctrine or misinterpreted doctrine. The fact is, it was part of our flesh nature that expressed itself. Yeah, That's but, really good. Yeah. That's really good. Bima, I'm throwing this question at you now. In what wait, ways? Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. <laughs> Let me say my piece. I just mine go is, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Mine go is ahead. very short, okay? All so right. I feel like this happened in Genesis. So yes. Adam ate ate the fruit. If he wouldn't have ate the fruit, then they wouldn't have known that they were naked. Right. It wouldn't have been in sin. And I feel like since then, it's been a, a finger pointed at the woman. You got me to eat this fruit. 
So now I'm going to blame you. Whereas it was his fault. So that's what I had. Simple. I like that. I like that. I like that take on it. So you think that from the initial standpoint, even from the conception of man and woman, the relationship, man has always made the woman the blame? Yes. Yes. Man, I got it. Okay, I like that. So here's my next question. In what ways have misogynistic views affect dating in church? Mm. Man. So I think I would say this. First, I think the misogynistic views have really affected the way that women are viewed. So therefore, because I would even say, this is my opinion, okay, in the beginning where when Adam and Eve were cursed and God put a curse on them and said, woman, you would desire to rule over man, but he will rule over you. I would say in totality that that entire thing was the curse, not just that the woman will rule over the man, but the man will rule over the woman. So I think sometimes people take that and they think one now, a woman like this man must be over you. So therefore, like when we're in dating and you see a dominant woman who, you know, is, is strong, she has a strong personality. You may look at her like, oh, she's a Jezebel or she's a, you know, whatever. She's not trying to, or she's not going to submit to you because she is strong in nature because she is a leader. And I think that affects the way that men see women in the dating realm. So they may find her, you know, they may say like, no, she's not a candidate because um, because of her strong nature and she won't be necessarily submitted to me. She won't allow me to lead her. So I feel like that is one way um, in how misogyny has affected uh, the dating world realm. That's really good. I would also add that it's to this mindset that a woman has to do something to get a man. And so that is one way that it has shaped this dating thing because It'll be like a man is looking for a certain thing that a woman has to do to be accepted. When in all mm. actuality, you can do all of that and he still cheat on you when you get married. Like, it's like, it's, I feel me personally, I don't feel there is anything that a woman can do to get a man. Like, you can be yourself and still get a man, you know? And so that, in that regard, I feel like that's what a lot of things happen within dating because people are trying to find the right one or the perfect wife. And it's like, what exactly does that look like? Right. And, and I feel like it's taught in the church, like she should look like this and she should do this and she should wear this. But if she don't, what if she don't like to cook? That does not mean that she's not going to be a good wife. And I think um, those are some of the standards that people put into practice when they're dating. Let me ask you this question, ladies. From a church standpoint, is the pressure to become like it feels like from from a church standpoint for me, from what I interpret, the church put a lot of pressure on women to have all of these standards, even Proverbs 31. Like that's thrown out a lot. Like they have to have all these standards to have a man, and not necessarily just them being identifying with themselves in Christ. Like I see that a lot. So the can y'all talk on the pressures of that just 
uh, making, feeling like you have to be in a certain, have to have a certain standard, do a certain thing, be a certain way. If you not, if we not checking out the list of uh, Proverbs 31, then you definitely can't be my wife. Is there pressure there to fulfill like you have to be in a certain a certain way in order to be accepted or a bride? I definitely feel like it's a pressure. And I would go beyond to say not even like just in the church, in life in general, of what a woman should be. You got to think about when when they have gender reveals and men find out that they're having daughters, the first thing they're thinking about is, oh, she's going to get pregnant. Now, that is a crazy mindset because yeah. you're not thinking about all of this that she could become. You're thinking about, OK, what is going to happen because I'm having a girl, you know? And so I think it goes far beyond just the pressures of that you have in church. I think it's the pressures that you have in life in general to be this perfect woman when you think about when you're a child your parents give you dolls in a a kitchen set you know like you're always being groomed to be this this uh woman that they feel like you should be and so as far as in the church i feel like there is a lot of pressure and i feel like it's a lot of pressure on even being married because you feel like this is the ultimate goal like when you think about in church, you think about most people that are in leadership, they're married. Most people that have a title, they're married. And so when people, single people are in the church, they feel like, oh, I have to get to this place in order for me to feel valued as a person. So that pressure comes on to, okay, what am I doing wrong as a woman that I can't get a man or it's not my time to get a man. And that's how you get people in bad relationships, marry wrong people, you know, because of that pressure to want to feel valued within the church. That is so good. That is so good. I definitely agree with you, Jalen. Even just uh, when you were talking about, you know, when you look at the people in leadership, they're they're all married. Okay. And maybe you may find a single man in leadership, but I have yet to see a single woman, you know, maybe I'm overlooking something that's really in a great leadership position in a church, you know, so it's like, let alone, okay, it's, it's kind of difficult to see a single man, but imagine a single woman, you know, I haven't really seen it, you know, and I think even to Jalen's point where, you know, when you say when a man find out he's getting pregnant, I mean, they got pregnant, they're having a girl, you know, you think about, okay, oh, I don't want her to get pregnant, different things like that. Um, I think that women are over-sexualized in the church. I feel like when you see a woman, one of the things you think about, one of the very first things is, you know, sex. You think about her in that nature. And I don't know if that's, well, I know that sure before uh, pornography, different things like that, but I feel like that's how we're viewed. So it's like right when you see it, it's like that's one of the that's just one of the main things that you think about, you know, and I even think about how, you know, I started um, doing pole fitness or pole dancing, you know, and I got some pushback with that because, you know, okay, I'm a single woman, you know, and, you know, now because I'm doing this, I'm being uh, sexualized when in reality, a man could go out, you know, and not have his shirt on and not be sexualized okay but a woman okay if she if she's having some skin showing then she's sexualized i don't feel like it's fair you know so i feel like just in general we have a wrong mindset of women we put you know we over sexualize them you know we feel like they're less than so they can't be single leaders in church you know so yeah i definitely feel like it's some things that are off there 
Yeah. That's really Can good. Can I add one more thing? Because she yes. made me think about something. When she was talking about being over-sexualized, it's also this mindset that women do everything for men. Like, oh, if you post a picture, you're doing it for male attention. Well, if we being honest, everybody don't like men. So that that mindset that everything you do is because you want to be sexualized and you can't get mad if somebody sexualizes you, that is faulty. Like, I... Even with me losing weight and stuff, I post pictures. I may have on workout gear. That's for me to be held accountable to myself. Because I'm like, okay, if I put this out to people, then I got to stay accountable because they're going to be like, oh, she posted two videos and she stopped working out. But from somebody else's mindset, it could be sexualized. And it's like, no, I'm not looking for validation from nobody. I'm trying to just lose 30 pounds, baby. That's it. So I think this mindset that women do everything for male validation is another area that women have to work through. That's really good. So let me let me let me uh, expound or uh, ask a question based on that. The fact that uh, how can we change that mindset? Because I think a lot of times, and I'll just speak from a man perspective, when we see that, I think because uh, society has made us view women in such a way and i i can only speak from my perspective here but i know for what has really damaged me is uh one pornography if i'm being honest with you because now i have to then deprogram myself on how i look at women because i'm used to absorbing women in such a manner and and also if, if i'm gonna be candid i'm a music lover so rap music did it for me like every everything i heard we was dissing women like we we they everything i heard so and even me being a secular rapper for a minute that's all we did so i know a lot of my thought process is kind of what you just said jay where it's uh i i i i i view everything from uh i don't want to say i do it now but i viewed everything from a perspective of women are doing this to get man attention and not necessarily doing it to keep themselves accountable. So I know you talked a bit about the pressures behind that, but how can you, how can, what can be done so man can adjust their, that, that mentality that I just provided? I feel like with that, it's being honest with yourself and then also realizing that everything is not about you. And right. I think people don't think about that. It's like, oh, you're doing this for a man. Well, everything is not about a man, you know? And I think it's constantly checking those inner misogynistic views because yeah. whether we know it or not, we've been taught this. Even women have been taught this, you know? So right. it's, it's really like retraining your mind to think completely different. Like if you see something, don't let your first, if your first thought is, oh, they doing this for male pleasure, you got to think, okay, is this me? Like, why do I feel like this person is right. And that's how you kind of rework it back so that you can view people differently, you know? That's yeah, really and I would weird. say communication, like community, you know, because I feel like even in the church, it's kind of taboo for women and men to be friends, you know, if they're, you know, versus like married people and single people, all that stuff. But I feel like if we build a community and really get to know each other, I feel like that is something that will help our um, preconceived notions as well. You know, so us just men getting to know women just in a platonic, just 
we're friends, we're people, we're human beings. You know, yeah. and I think if we do take the time to just get to know each other and get to know each other's heart, you know, I feel like that will play, you know, a, a huge part in, you know, men helping men shift their perspective on how they view women. Yeah, that's really good. And especially in the church, they got to stop this. A man can't pray for a woman stuff. That's I agree. weird to me. That is like so weird. Like, it's like, if God is speaking to you about a woman, just pray for her. Like, why is your first thought that, oh, I can't pray for her because she's a woman? I think, like, we have to start breaking down these things and think about why do we do this? Like, yeah. you're not praying nothing weird in public anyway. Like, you know? in front of the stage, you ain't saying nothing crazy. So I think it's like thinking about the things that we do within the church yeah. about why do we do this and who taught us this? Like who said that, you know, like just rethinking everything. That's oh. really good. If I could, um, if I could interject for a minute, right. One of the uh, things we have to consider is that church is a society. The church is supposed to be a community. It's supposed to be a society that is set apart from the world's society. But we have to acknowledge that a lot of church reflects the world as it is. Society within church, unfortunately, reflects the world's society. We have situations where we've gone from, uh, I, for I would that all men were even as myself, where the celebration of celibacy and devotion to the Lord in singleness was a thing to aspire to. We've gone from that position to a very secular and even executive concept where in the corporate world, unless you could prove that you are capable of managing a household, you are less likely to be um, acknowledged for promotion. The, the numbers suggest that you get promoted if you could prove to your company, to your organization that you could manage your home that you could come consistently with one person to company dinners and to meetings, because then there's less odds of scandal and um, you know, in office activities, et cetera. We have gone from being single in Christ is good to I'm not so sure you can serve Christ unless we deal with your singleness. So the thing is now people go into church with the concept of if I have been given a calling to leadership or if people are asking me to step into leadership, that there are boxes I'm supposed to tick to make you comfortable with my leadership. Mm -hmm. So we've gone from he who finds a wife finds a good thing. We have, we have totally misconstrued that sentiment because if no one is good, but he who finds a wife finds it's a good thing, we have to look at the fact that a wife is a thing. A wife is a role. Just like being a husband is a role, being a wife is a role. The woman is a person, but the wife, meaning the role that she fulfills, is a good thing. So now, even in that concept, you could even equating a woman to a thing in that concept means we've already started mixing what the sentiment is with what the, the language says. That's so good, Ricardo. Right. So we go into church and we're like, yo, I have a calling. And for me to be respected and recognized and not seen as, uh, as we call them down here, a village ram, I need to settle down. So I come into a community to serve. And the first thing that, I'm, that has to happen is that I am paired with someone before I could serve. That's good, I, came, man. I came looking for God and now I'm thrust into having to fulfill certain societal obligations to properly serve God. That's really good. 
And we do that. The church really does do that. Bro, the way you just broke down, he who just passed away just blew my mind. We already objectifying women without thinking about it. Yeah. So rather than, preparing for, rather than preparing for a role and preparing and, 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 you know, looking for qualities, we are now looking at the person to see how much they identify with the qualities we are looking for. When, in fact, we may not have come in with intentions of finding anyone in the first place. And it might not even be husband material, but you feel like you need that in order to get whatever role. You know, that's that's wild. But that's yeah. what we taught, though. Like, it, we're literally taught that. And when you were speaking, I was thinking about, too, okay, the role of a wife. But that's subjective to whichever person you're with. Like, and I feel like sometimes we're looking for, like, key things. But it's like, your marriage, and I ain't even married, but your marriage is whatever your marriage is going to be. Like, yeah. it, you can't be like, oh, so this person has this kind of wife. So I need this kind of wife. And I think we have to go back to our identity as a people. When we understand who we are individually, it makes us better people collectively. And I don't yeah. think we spend enough time like really figuring out what do I truly want in a mate? Like what, what makes me happy first as a person, as who I am and what would compliment me? You know, and a lot of people don't go into relationships thinking about that. And then, too, think about people that's called to singleness. Like, it's like if you call to singleness and you're not supposed to get married, it really makes life look like in the church look like you're useless. Like, we can't do yeah. anything with you because you don't want to get married, you know? And so yeah. we have to start consciously thinking about those things. That's really good. I want to ask one more question and then I'm going to let the uh, audience speak and provide their um, their feedback as well. Um, so the next question I kind of wanted to ask is, wow, 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 I got some good ones. Okay, so um, has misogyny and objectifying women in culture affected the way the church view women? I think that kind of goes in with the point where I feel like, you know, we over-sexualize women. I feel like they do that in the culture, you know, like you were saying, you you know, in the, the songs that you would listen to, you know, different things like that, that is all they would that's all that they were doing. And a lot of times we don't just come out of the womb, you know, saved. We go through the worldly culture before we kind of get into the kingdom culture. So those things are already kind of like they've been engraved in our minds since we right. were a young child. So they definitely like we have to, you know, renew our minds. But that's definitely uh, something where you have these you already have these ideologies in your mind on what women are and, and um, you know, all the horrible things that people say, like the bees and all whatever they want to call women, you know, and I feel like you already have that in your mind. So, of course, that's some that's the way that you think and you just have to renew your mind. But, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, the culture has affected the way that the church uh, views women. You're going to say something, Bima? Um, I don't know. I think I just think differently. Um, I know coming up, everything that we did, you know, trying to be a thug, act hard and all that was to get the female. So the influence for me, I feel like it's in the female's um, pockets or hands. Uh, I think that 
uh, is it, the change like it's changed over. And I like I think a lot of females think that they have to do things to get a man. But I think but men do the same thing. Men act a certain way or they do certain things to try to get a female. That's true. Now, when you you talking about church, I, I can't I can't talk about that because I was in a relationship when I started going to church and then I got married. So I can't I can't a lot of the things that y'all were talking about. I'm like, wow, I never seen it. I never really paid attention to it. But man, it is it, they kind of hurt me to my heart to see that y'all have to go through that. But um, as a man, I feel like I hit. Well, I'm going to say this. I hear a lot of females say, I don't want a church guy. I want a reformed thug. Like I want him to be thuggish, but I want him to be saved. And I tell them, you're not ready for that. You can't handle that type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Because what if you're toxic and you don't know it? And then you you pushing him to be hard when he's trying to be saved. You see what I'm saying? So I I think, you know, that the women do have the influence over the guys. If you if if they change the type of guys that they want, then the guys will will will, will change how they maneuver also. And I feel like that's in the church too. Now I do think that, you know, um, I don't think that it's just normal guys in the church. We talking about probably guys that have leadership that may manipulate what's going on with the females in the church, because the the normal guys, majority of those guys are look getting looked over. The, the the females are not really looking at them. They're looking for the guy who has a position. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, Man, that's um, authority is an attractive trait. Authority is an attractive trait. It is that simple. And you're right. You get a lot. Let, let, let's put it this way. You're attracted to what you could see. Right? And the higher you go, is the less competition you have, the more likely you are to be seen. So I, I agree with that. A lot of our motivation as men is to do things that would please a woman. That is a lot of our motivation. And the, it is actually a corruption of what I believe was the original intention for a relationship. I, um, as an adult, like now in God, in Christ, I will tell you, my mentality you now is if you are seeking to be happy in a relationship, then you're not ready for a relationship. If you find happiness in serving someone, then you're ready for a relationship. Mm -hmm. If you are looking for someone to hit an emotional quotient, to, to hit a, a intellectual stimulation, to tick a companionship box, well, then you're not ready for a relationship. A relationship, at least one that will last, cannot be centered on what am I getting from this and how does it make me feel? It, I'm, I'm not even apologizing for this, right? When I met the woman I am with, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the Lord was like, who? I'm like, I'm not looking. He was like, who? Huh. And then with a little investigation and time, I realized that I could literally, I could literally dedicate the rest of my life to helping this woman, to fulfilling her needs. What did I want? I didn't want anything. I wasn't even looking for a relationship. It was a case of you can be of service to me in this scenario, with this person, with this family. And I was like, yo, you can't disappoint me if I didn't come in expecting anything from you. 
So wow. it's easy for me to serve you. It's easy for me to love you because the only interest I have in this relationship is your betterment. That's my only interest because I'm one of those people. I thought I, I was convinced that I was called to the singleness in service. And the Lord was like, yo, you could make, you're going to make an excellent father figure. I was like, I don't want kids. And he was like, but I know some kids who need an excellent father figure. <laughs> So are you, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like, are you going to serve me in the way that I want you to serve me? Or are you going to serve me in a way that's comfortable for you? And I was like, yo, I get it now. If you're in a relationship or you're seeking a relationship because there's something you are looking for, well, then unfortunately, I, I don't know how much that's going to work. Because in the event that person can't fulfill that need, well, then they would have failed you in the relationship. Whereas if you go into a relationship thinking, I could see myself and I am satisfied being of service to this person, then your fulfillment comes from your service, from your love, from the expression of your love. And it makes it a lot easier to deal with things like ingratitude and rejection when you realize that, listen, maybe she's not in a place to receive this thing that the Lord asked me to deliver, but he didn't call me out. So I'm going to stay here and deliver it until she gets it because that's what I'm here for. And it benefits me. But um, I, I, not many people are ready to hear that. But I'm just saying that if we're supposed to be loving the other person, then our personal benefit from it's supposed to be uh, not as much of a priority as we make it going into the relationship. It is harder to objectify someone that you care about it is easier to objectify someone you see as an asset or a source. So yeah, I got there. That's really good, man. That's really good. Let me, okay, so now what I want to do is I want to give the audience, I want to give everyone else a chance to uh, provide your opinions, your thoughts um, in this last 20 to 25 minutes. Here, I want to hear your I want to hear your take. And even if you have a question to the panel, this is your moment to do that. Yo, can y'all hear me? We can hear you. Oh, oh, I see everything a little bit different. Um, only because I've lived a different life, and uh -huh. you know, of course. Lord has called some to be single. And of course, you know, he allows some to be married um, so they don't burn in lust. Yeah. And with me, like, I don't see a single man or a single woman not being able to be um, seen as an authority in the church as a leader because they're single. But I have seen, um, from my perspective. So like when a person has kept themselves pure before the Lord, before marriage, yeah. I believe um, they have a little bit more strength than people like me. So like, man, I haven't been a virgin since I was 14. Mm -hmm. So when I got saved, not only was I not a virgin, but I had a three-year-old daughter. Yeah. And the Bible tells us not to awaken love before we are ready. Yeah, you know, so I also feel that puts us in the, at a dis 
disadvantage. Those of us who have stepped out and, you know, disobeyed the Lord and done things we really wasn't supposed to. So I've seen what I think as leaders, especially men, take on relationships with women that they're not really attracted to, but to engage in I would call legal or holy sex. You know what I'm saying? They marry this Mm. woman so they can, you know what I'm saying, kill their lust and still do ministry. But at the same time, they're really not attracted to this woman. So later on down the line, they end up getting divorced and he ends up upgrading to what he really wanted in the first place. I've seen that too. I've I've seen that too. So do you think that because of that, Frank, there's some type of pressure that they feel in like, because I've came into the church, I have to uphold this image. Um, and I, and, and I, I are, are, I've seen this too. I've seen men get connected to women to satisfy themselves from a lust standpoint. Um, I don't think so it's pressure. Be- I don't think it's pressure to get married for appearance, I think it's pressure to get married to fulfill that lust. Because once you open that door, it's still growing you, you know? And then I was exposed to pornography when I was eight also, you know what I'm saying? So I had a warped mind too. And, you know, just because you get saved, all that stuff don't go away, man. You still are traumatized. All of those images that um, have been burned into your brain, they are still there. You know, they don't go away. And you, you know, you f- you fighting a worse battle than someone I feel that has kept themselves pure before the Lord. I, so I do agree with that to an extent. I truly do. I, I do think that you fight a, a more of an uphill battle because you have allowed yourself to experience something um and and now you have a a a, a thirst for it yeah so I do appetite agree with that. yeah i do i do agree with that i do agree with that but i will i've i know i know two or three i don't know too many but i know who a couple men who have actually saved themselves for marriage who were way more addicted to pornography yeah then 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 the person who had sex like see i think it's a difference between mental and physical like once you cross over that physical line i think you trapped for life because i know a brother that's a pastor that's like in his 40s that Mm -hmm. hasn't touched a woman and holding on me i'm sorry (laughs) i think the issue is that we we prioritize. We we have this mindset that one is better than the other. Right. And we don't actually look the motive. Okay, so if he's still looking at porn, it does not make the person that have sex worse than the person looking at the porn. The motive I agree. is still wrong. Like yeah. the heart is still wrong. And I think about that even when people don't want to, because I've seen so many people get married just because they want to have sex. But it's like, but you still, that could still be considered a sin in God's eyes because your motive not right. You don't even yeah, love the person. You just want to have sex. So it's like now you're spending all these years being committed to this person that you never even loved. You just wanted to have sex. 
And in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't make sense because if no sin is greater than the other sin, you still sinning at the end of the day. It, but I think that the church puts more emphasis on sex. That's it. Then it needs to. It's like, okay, you need to start dealing with people's heart. Like the real issue is the heart. It ain't the sex. If you deal with the heart, that part is going to come, you know, that, that renewing of the mind. And I feel like we try to look at what we can see, like, oh, we could, we can tell that you out here messing the streets because you're talking about it. We like to talk about what we can see, but we don't like to talk about the heart issues. Of That's people. it. And I, want, I think once we start, pri stop prioritizing sin is like, people do that with sin with homosexuality the things that you can see everybody want to talk about but it's like but what's your heart saying yeah. like because this person might be in heaven and you might be chilling on the outside of the gates and you're gonna be mad because your heart wasn't right trying to get in like how you gonna hate from outside of the club you can't do it and a person is like I, i'm here you know and so i think as christians we send people to hell more than god really do that's just my perspective because we like that control, that aspect of being able to tell people what they can and cannot do. Um, I agree with that. I agree. I agree with I that. think we definitely should, even when it comes to sex, I feel like we're not even really having the right conversations about sex. You know, a lot of times we can judge somebody or different things like that, but I feel like we need to have healthy conversations and we need to have these conversations in detail, not glossing over sometimes when people talk about the sex they'll they may even say something else they want to say everything else other than the word sex we have to say sex sex is good and we have to talk about it and really deal with the different sexual traumas that we have going on on the inside and having um both male and female conversations together not just yeah. female having conversations and men having conversations but let's have them together let's talk about the struggles that we have let's understand each other's heart and i feel like you know it goes to my point where if we can really get to know each other personally i would not want to objectify you i would not want to just use you and just you know get married to you just to fulfill my own desires i feel yeah. like when we have to have these conversations in detail together both women men and women and just really get to know each other and get to know you know what's going on in our hearts sexually and and kind of go from there that's good beth i see your hand up yes i raised my hand well <laughs> i guess it's kind of off the, the the topic that we're talking about right now but more along the lines of when we were talking about um the proverbs you know 31 woman mm -hmm. and you know the pressure that we were saying that the church puts on women to live or be at this certain standard i i disagree with that because i don't feel like it's the church putting that pressure i feel like that's what god said god okay. said that this 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 and this and this the church didn't say that so i want to be in a place that God wants me to be in. Yeah. I don't want to twist the word to make it fit my agenda. If God said it, then that's it. If if he said that women should do this and be this and have this and behave in this way, then that's the way it should be. We can't change things to fit what we want it to be. You know. That's good. I, I like agree that. With you, Beth. I, I think that I do. So this is why I said it's a pressure. 
we get all those things in Christ. You become a Proverbs 31 woman in Christ. You become that. Yeah. But what happens is, for me anyway, what I have seen is there are actually organizations that I've seen that actually focus on that scripture. And now you have to do those things to obtain a man. So as opposed to focusing on Jesus, I'm focusing on doing these things to obtain marriage as opposed to finding those things in Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That's good. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, for hey, my me, brother, it, um, it's, what, hold up. What, I'm saying, what she said is like God putting, um, God saying that. Yeah. And I really believe God said that because he knew once humanity sinned, man was going to be messed up and man was going to struggle with that because, you know, men are visual creatures. You know, yeah, so like we, yeah, we tell you the truth, we are weaker than women when it comes to, you know, visual things. We can be. But the thing is, that's not the woman's problem. That's the man's problem. You get what I'm saying? I feel like you have to go back to just like when we teach kids, a lot of people spend a lot of time teaching their daughters and not their sons. So a lot of women grow up trying not to make a man fall, but that's not your job. He's Correct. already supposed to be in a place spiritually, mentally. We, if we start teaching kids at a young age how to be a man, teaching them and training them up. And I think that's kind of like too in the church where it's gone left. It's like, oh, men are visual creatures. So you can't what is. Yeah, that ain't my problem. Different. That's your that's problem different. that you can't keep your eyes off me. But I'm not about to live in a jail cell because you have a lust problem. You need to deal with your lust that's problem. That's right. That's and right. I'm gonna live my life. And I feel like even going back to Bev's point about like what God said, but it's it, at the same time, a lot of people don't know what God said. Even when we talk about modesty. They talk about modesty in the Bible, and then the the next scripture it says, "Don't wear gold, don't wear pearls, don't you know?" So it's like, oh, you want to take this because you are comfortable with this, but you don't want to take the whole thing. So if you're not gonna take the whole scripture, you can't pick and choose what you want to do. Like if you right. say you want to do what God said, I remember them talking about women can't talk in the church, and you gotta cover your whole body, make sure your head is closed, you know. So if we're thinking about all of that, we have to think about how much has transitioned over time because it was taught to control, you know? So I think going back to that point, like I think sometimes we want to put our convictions on other people. What we feel convicted about, oh, I feel convicted about wearing jeans. Then you want to make somebody else feel that way. But it's like, if God want to correct them, he going to correct them. Like, I'm out of child. Can I say something? Right <laughs> Look, so uh, Miss Tony just said it. So Proverbs 31 was actually a letter to her son. So a lot of people put th th those uh, things on a woman when it was really, she was writing to her son what to look for. Not everything, right. but what to look for in a woman. You know what I'm saying? So uh, everybody be trying to, you know, do all that, all that stuff on that list. And man, 
we can't even do it as men. You know what I'm saying? So um, you are right. You know, it is a, the, 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 the man looking at a woman, man, look, you could have on a jogging suit and it's loose. If he if he's um, attracted to you, he's going to look at you a certain way. That's just how it is. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for me, I think if we just go again back to Genesis, if <laughs> if um, if Adam didn't eat the fruit, you wouldn't even know you was naked. They were naked. Say it. He ain't. They he were, ain't sending them here with no clothes on. Right, and they, they were wet, but naked in the and garden. Like, and for a second, and say, if that's the case, then why are fathers more concerned about covering their daughters? You know because why they're they concerned themselves. because of the lust of other men and what they're they're lusting after their children. So, in modesty, if you're teaching your daughter modesty. It's for a reason. When he's talking about modesty, it's for a reason. We don't just go out. Otherwise, we let little girls wear whatever they want to wear, little short dresses, little whatever they want to wear, and it would be okay. It's not okay because we know that there are people out there lusting. So we should not, I don't want to say, quote, unquote, participate in, in the lusts, but we should protect ourselves and our modesty. Well, you well, you will start by teaching your son yeah. what to do. It's not that, oh, now my daughter, she got to do this. No, you teach your son that if a woman say no, you teach him consent. You teach them how to train their lustful thoughts at a young age. And going back to Marion's part about talking about sex. You, you got to start talking about these things and not leaving that responsibility on the woman to teach your son how to treat them. And mm -hmm. I think that's where it gets construed because it's like we doing well, we this as a women. defense mechanism. Like, I want to protect this instead of teaching what and what not to do. And I well, think what I our daughters, what are we teaching our daughters? We're, we're focused okay. so much on what we're teaching our sons not to do. But what are we teaching women of God that are growing up and coming up? What are we teaching them? We can't I just feel, focus everything on the boys and say, don't look at the girls. Don't do this. Don't do that. Well, I'm sorry. Well, I'm actually going to speak as a as a mother with two daughters. So pretty much kind of like what you're saying, Beth, is because I can honestly tell you, I let my kids pick out their own clothes. I'm not really particular about what they wear and in fear of a man or a boy looking at them a certain type of way, because as Jay actually stated, that's your problem. If my kid is comfortable in a certain thing, and I'm not saying my kids wear outrageous type of things right, like that. Right. I'm just saying they kind of have free will with their clothing because I am teaching them as, as long as you feel good in it and it looks respect, respectful to you, then you can actually wear that. Now, what you're teaching your son is, do you actually respect women regardless of what they have on? Because what they're wearing does not dictate exactly who they are. You know, it kind of goes back to even when we were talking about the, the whole silhouette challenge thing. Just because a woman is actually doing that, that, that doesn't mean that, oh, she's some old type of sexual being. And if she is, that, that could have everything to do with her. 
so just speaking as a mother with girls, I'm not actually bringing my kids up to, okay, let's not actually do this here because of how somebody's going to look at you. People are going to look regardless. And it may not actually be a man that's looking at them. It could actually be a woman that's looking at them. So I'm not going to stop them from actually doing something based upon, oh, with with this person may actually be thinking about that because that really has nothing to do with my girls nor nor myself as an adult as well and yeah, women have women are have always been in the forefront of people telling them what to do i feel like that's just what it's been like we've always been taught like okay women you should as a girl you should do this don't wear this don't wear that so i feel like that's why it's, it's weird we already kind of know it's kind of ingrained in us like oh that we shouldn't wear something too short we shouldn't these are things that they tell us and i feel like they're not teaching men enough so i feel like that's where that point comes in you know when you say what are we teaching our women it's already kind of ingrained in us and i feel like that's something that we have to change ourselves like just just like they're saying i could wear a bag but if you're attracted to me that you're going to see you're going to imagine in your head what's under the bag it really doesn't matter what we do at this point in the society as women you know to an extent i feel like really at the end of the day men have to change their mindset on objectifying women and i feel like when that happens then you know things will get a little bit better but i feel like we already tell women already it's you know, even if you think about, you know, uh, having a kid, and you have a son and a daughter, you would treat the daughter different. You probably will let the son go out, you know, but the daughter needs to probably be home in at a certain time. You know, it's always something that is, is different. You know, we're treated different as women. We're expect the standards are higher for us. That's something that I have observed. So I feel like the men need and they always say boys will be boys. That's something that you say from a kid, but a girl it's not girls will be girls it's like no this you shouldn't do this all this stuff so we've been taught we've been groomed per se since we we're a little child as women now i feel like it's time for men for us to teach our boys and you know for it just you know i feel like the men have to do something a little bit different that's what i think so miss tony hold on miss tony had a question miss tony you had something you're raising your hand you raised you had it up for a minute oh thank you uh you'll I just want to say I love the diversity in this group, but with diversity is going to also be a different mindset. I Correct. think the trend now is that it is a, a, a dual responsibility for us to raise our women and men to both be respectful of one another and not objectify one another. Because now you have women that are free to do what they want to do with their bodies. And now you have men where women are saying, you know, you need to respect me and you need to control yourselves but again it's a training process and you have people like myself i have grown daughters and i have a teenage son and exactly what marianne said we do tend to give boys a pass and and train the girls to be more rigid and thinking but it's a societal mindset a shift that has to change and you know the church has a standard that was my second point but you know the first point is the societal change it's a dual responsibility you know whether regardless if in the past the women were responsible it's now a dual concept so we just have to rise to the occasion on in both aspects and the second point i want to make is that there's always a standard if we're going to be christians if we're going to be uh, followers of christ there's a standard it's not society standard unfortunately it is god's standard and like uh i think jay said if we're gonna follow that standard 
honestly, we have to follow it in its totality. And we don't. Right. You know what I mean? So that was just my little two cents. We really don't because we can't. And people don't realize you will never be able to get to that mark you know it's impossible you're a person and that's why you need the grace of god and you need the holy spirit to direct you and i think yeah. sometimes we want to force ourselves to this point when it's like god is like but walk with me and i'm gonna show you how to do it i'm gonna show you what's right for you i'm gonna show you what ain't right for you and just because it's not right for you don't mean you go around telling other people what to do you know and i think it's it goes back to that relationship we were never meant to have it all and to have all the answers like we were never meant to do that and so i love that point Bima, what you have no i just wanted to say man um so i was raised in a single parent household my mom she basically showed me how to to you know um basically tend to a female um so with that being said, my mom didn't point at a female like, look at her, you see her, you see her, you know, you see her big Buddha, you see her breast, she didn't have a, she didn't do that. She showed me how to, okay, look, you know, respect the woman, open the door for her. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that men don't do that, but I've seen when I was coming up, a lot of men showing their sons, hey, look at that son, you see that son? You see what I'm saying? that was back in the 80s though 80s 90s you know what i'm saying i think when you when 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 a woman like a real woman is raising a son and not saying that a man that, that, that the son don't need a man but you need a real man my son he's eight years old i don't i don't say hey son look at this you know what i'm saying hey son you, you seen her you know i don't point those things out you know what i'm saying i tell him open the door be a gentleman you know what i'm saying the same thing my mama showed me because truth be told, if I was raised by my dad, my dad would be like, have three different women. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Beth, I commend you because you have boys. You know what I'm saying? I know you showing them, you know, how to how to treat a female. You know what I'm saying? It's hard because of society. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I held on to, like, what my mom showed me when I was coming up open the door for a female don't look and my mom kid you not she wore some stuff i was like man look you can't be wearing this at my school you know what i'm saying like don't don't come with it like that and i'll be ready to fight a dude if you say something you know what i'm saying because that's my mom she's a woman at the end of the day and she ain't she ain't out here doing all you know any kind of thing out here in the streets you know what i'm saying she worked two and three jobs you know what i'm saying so if she want to wear that she can wear it that's my mindset. I, I can't speak for all men. I'm just speaking for what I seen and how I grew up. Yeah. I have a 15 year old son and we were having a conversation about relationships. And while having this conversation with him about relationship, he was telling me about the different girls he got and, and how he got their numbers. And he was telling me how he can't show his emotion to women. And I asked him, where did you get that from? Who told you that? See, even so what I'm saying is even to just piggyback off some of the conversations I've heard, we have to let our sons know to respect women young because they are hearing to not 
respect women and I shouldn't show my emotions. Or I shouldn't date or look at a woman this specific way. And what he learned, I can testify, I learned. So that's why I knew how to address it when I heard it. And he haven't heard that from me, but he's heard that from the people he tag along with or talk to or his friends at school, that they may be saying something to him that has been oppressed on his mind. Now he feels like he can't even show his emotions. So I had to just address that society influence is correct, Beth. Society influence that no, this is unacceptable. And you're going to, you're going to respect and be able to communicate yourself to women at a young age. I love our conversations. They're tr very transparent. They're very real. But even in that moment, we have to tell our young men that, listen, you're going to respect a young lady and not objectify them based on what they do. I, I've had, I have four sisters. So I've, I've had really good conversations with my sisters and I have two brothers. I've seen um, men, the double standard, that men can dog women all they want, but as soon as a woman do it, she's called a whore, she's called a hoe, she's called a bitch, she's called these things, even in church, I've seen it. Like recently, I have a really good single uh, woman friend that was called a church hoe for dating a man. So I've seen, I've even seen it from that perspective. So we really have to adjust the mind frames a lot of how we view women and what we've been culturally saying about our women and how we've actually allowed them to be objectified and, and even talked about. Like we, we really do have to change some mindsets, even modesty, define what modesty is. Is it taking out, if it's putting on, is it wearing dresses? Define, because that's what it was biblically, right? Define modesty from a position of no makeup. Is that modesty? Or is modesty walking with Christ and having a relationship with him and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you and directing you in each and every situation? Is that modesty? Because some of the most Pentecostal women I know have six and seven kids. You know, so what is modesty? What are we informing what truly modesty is? Are we going from a real biblical context? Are we going from an image standpoint? And that's some of the questions I have. You, you will, if I could get in on them for a second here, right? Um, Minister Williams posted something that I actually wanted to comment on a little earlier. Dope. Now, I'm working under the presumption that, uh, yes, this is the circle. I, I'm not sure if it's like a particularly Christian circle, if it's, uh, you know, we have a secular mix in it, what's what. But um, the, the premise is, as Christians, as believers, we supposed to recognize that we are part of a body. Mm -hmm. that we are different members of the same body and one of the things that I've, I've, I had to be taught as well was that as part of a body you don't get to say that's not my problem we don't get to say that that's a you problem and not a me problem because we have Christ using the example of people who were supposed to be spiritual leaders and elders and responsible staying away from someone who had a problem they didn't have yeah right 
so if we call to love our brothers and sisters as we love ourselves, then are we allowed to say that that's not my problem? If we are actually using the measure of, all right, why do we elevate sexual sin as worse than other sin? The question remains, would I offer, would I go around my friend who is struggling with alcoholism smelling like alcohol? Would I invite them to a party or to the club where there's going to be liquor flowing? I know that there's a struggle that they have, and regardless of whether or not I have that particular struggle, as part of the body, I also have a responsibility to not cause my brother or to at least tempt my brother mm. or sister. So what I'm saying is if we have an issue, correct, we, you don't want to be a stumbling block. So I get that I should not generally have to limit my freedoms to preserve someone else's problem. But the fact remains is as a Christian, that is exactly what we're asked to do. Consider now, let what me we ask do. you a question to that. Because mm-hmm. you said something. I agree. You should not be a stumbling block. But mm-hmm. how we know what do you stumble with if we don't have a relationship? And at what point am I just censoring myself? Because every what I may do may be a mm-hmm. stumbling block to you. Yeah. I may just, I just may listen, I may just, I've seen people say, listening to certain music is a stumbling block for me. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, what's I think you uh, two things got to go into account here. We have to have a relationship so I know what affects you to the to the fact of you falling, right? And also to the so that means I have to have a relationship with you to know your stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And also you have to use the wisdom of God. I think two things are are yeah. have to go in that. I I so I agree not being a stumbling block. But I think a lot of time what the church does is they say, "Hey, this is a stumbling block for me." And I don't even have a relationship and stop doing it. But I don't even have a relationship with you to to know what's maybe a stumbling block. And I could be just consciously without knowing mm-hmm. wearing pants, you know, and you just offended or causing just causing yourself to stumble by doing that. I'm, I'm speaking from a women's standpoint now. Like yeah, I, 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 I just wear certain clothes. Nothing's wrong with them. And you got somebody who has a lust issue right. saying that's a stumbling block to me. Now, what you want the girl to do? And going back to, to your <laughs> example about alcoholism, back to you have to have a relationship. If an alcoholic right. goes into a place where alcohol is served, when do you take responsibility that this is not where I'm supposed to be? I need to be in a clinic getting help. So I think it goes back to that relationship. A lot of people, it's like one shoe fit all. Like if this wrong, then it gotta be wrong and you a stumbling block if you do this. But it's like, no, like when do we go back to you taking responsibility and getting help through those decisions and those things that you're dealing with and not, I'm not saying like, if I know something is a stumbling block for my friend, I'm going to try not to do it around my friend, but we're going to have a conversation because I'm not going to continue to censor myself. If I feel like I'm in bondage to your sin, we're not doing that. You're not going to hold me in bondage to something you have seen with. You got to work that out and we can separate for that time until you get to a better place. But I don't feel like we have to hold ourselves in bondage because another person can not 
get through theirs. No, yeah, I think even one of the things Yeah, like I get it. Like, because one of the things as a friend, one of the things that we should do is is lay our life down. But I think sometimes we have to know where to do that and how to do that. So again, like if I have a friend, I, I have a male friend that's uh, struggling with lust. You know, there's sometimes, you know, he'll come over and I think, oh man, should I wear these shorts? I'm like, I'm going to wear these shorts. If he has a problem with it, let's have a conversation. Let's figure out why you have, like what what's going on and let's talk about that. You know, and if you have a problem with it, I want you to open up and talk to me about it. Like I can assume and say, you know, cause kind of I've observed and say like, okay, this may be an issue that he has. But at the same time, kind of like what Jalen says, I can't live in bondage because of you. I can do what I can to help you. But at the end of the day, the responsibility lies on you. You know, it's the same with, you know, with the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can guide us. But at the end of the day, the responsibility lies on us. We have to make a decision when there's no one else there that can tempt us. We can still be tempted. And at the end of the day, we have to make the decision myself, whether I have somebody around me tempting me or not. I, the responsibility lies on me so I can do what I can as a friend to help. If you say, Hey, maybe can you try whenever I'm around to not do this? Cool. And I feel like that's why communication is very important. I'm not going to yeah. assume, you know, um, I need you to open your mouth and I need you to say something and then we can kind of communicate and, and talk and maybe we can come to a compromise. Maybe we can figure something out. That's where that relationship comes in and different things like that. Um, so I feel like it's definitely, uh, it, we need to have that relationship and we can work this out together. Yo, I like, yo, two mad quick points, right? Um, one, if I'm an alcoholic, I'm not going to go to the bar. I'm not going to go to the club, but if I have a problem with lust and I go to church and women yeah. are dressed in a manner that reminds me of being in the club. It does not help me. But if someone tells you, maybe you should dress with a little more discretion to come to church, then we might take it as an attack on our personal liberties and the relationship we have and the grace we have in our walk. The other, the other point being, here's what's happening. At what point in time being a Christian is a sacrifice in the interest of someone else's benefit considered bondage? We're talking about our freedoms, but we're not willing to make sacrifices to, uh, about liberties we have because someone else is still in bondage. What's the so? Here's my question to that. What do you mean by that, though? Like, cause that could be. I agree. I agree with everything you're saying, and Minister uh, William, I agree with you. But what I think what they're saying is is that you be you can become a prisoner to someone's insecurity and they're not free you see what i'm saying i get you and and it's and 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 i understand not being a stumbling block to someone i 100 agree with that so but at a certain point we need to speak we need to communicate or we need to separate but and you, that's what they're saying you see you're what like, I'm I get that and I appreciate what they're saying. And again, yo, I was, I mean, listen, I ain't no saint. I ain't no saint, right? I have a history like everyone else does. I have a future, God willing, like everyone else does. But here the catch, right? Regardless of how I feel about things, the word is the word, bro. 
And if the Lord says that I'm going to be either a slave to him or a slave to the world, and the way that I feel doesn't sound like the way that he wants me to be enslaved, well, then it's to the world. Right. If right. the Lord says, yo, listen, whatsoever you do unto the least of your brethren, that means even a stranger, the ever, mm -hmm. every sacrifice I make, regardless of what state that person is in or not, I do that for God. I'm not where, I'm not going to stop doing things because, you know what, that guy is in trouble. I'm going to stop doing things because, you know what, what if this guy is in trouble? The Lord is going to see my effort as something I do for him. Yeah. No, I Me? get that. I'm not, I'm not so, disagreeing with it. So, 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 so to answer your question, where does your response, what is the limit to your responsibility as a Christian where it comes to what people see in you and the way you carry yourself in public? Mm -hmm. Where, where, where does the responsibility stop? I think that's twofold because you can, we like to put responsibility on the person who may be freeing themselves. You're not being a good brother to this person if you're lust or a good brother to this sister if you're lusting after her. So the thing goes back to, okay, how am I being a stumbling block to this person because my mindset has not changed? That's so I what think I'm it, saying. It's too, it's too full. Like you right. cannot just think you being a stumbling block because you're wearing a dress. No, this person is being a stumbling block too because they haven't dealt with their lust, which in right. turn make you be insecure about the way that you present yourself. Now you fully can't experience God the way you want to because of this person's lust. Right. So it's too far. Like if we can't just have one person taking all the responsibility when we are talking about being a stumbling block, both people can be a stumbling block when you don't deal with the things that's inside of you. The whole premise of Christianity is that one person took all the responsibility and aren't yes. you supposed to emulate that? Wait, so what I feel saying? like even when it comes to that, um, I don't know if it was Paul or whoever, where they were supposed to go somewhere. And I guess he had this ideology about me. And then he had this vision of, you know, it was like the different animals coming down in a, a, a cloth or whatever. You, you know, I'm not sure if y'all know what I'm talking about. But then the Holy God talked to him and said, you know, don't call what's unclean that I have called clean. And I feel like yeah. one thing, we're putting a lot of responsibility on human beings when it's really the Holy Spirit that can do the work. It's us and the Holy Spirit. So yes, you can put the responsibility on me, but at the end of the day, it's like when you have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and you continue to walk with him, he will refine you. So it's like at the end of the day, like we cannot put all of this responsibility on a person and say, okay, if this person doesn't change, then I'm going to forever be struggling. I feel like this this is unfair. And I feel like that's where I'm coming from. Like, yes, I will do what I can when I'm in a relationship with a person. As we talk, if you say, hey, this is a stumbling block to you. But at the end of the day, you need to go to the Holy Spirit. Not you, Ricardo, but just in general. Whoever no, it is to needs to go to the Holy Spirit <laughs> and allow the Holy Spirit to refine them. And then they continue to go that way. You can't put it on that woman because she's dressed a certain way. Because again, what is considered modesty? If you go to a whole nother, you know, place, even when I lived in Honolulu, the every they walk around with the shortest shorts with whatever. That is normal. Okay. That is normal for them because it's hot out there. All right. So if you go from there and then you go here, it's like it's it differs from wherever you go. So I feel like at the end of the day, what doesn't change is the Holy Spirit and the fact that He wants to refine you. So it's like we can't put that responsibility on a person to to keep you from falling. So 
That's a good point. Minister, uh, Minister William, I, I'm, re I'm just reading what you're saying. You said, what if God felt that way about us? I don't think, so a couple of things. Jesus also gave people responsibilities too. Like he died for our sins, yes. But he, he, he also gave people the responsibility to accept him. So much so, he told the disciples, if people don't receive you, dust your feet. He literally told them to dust their feet. So what he's saying, even in that situation, people have a responsibility to receive what you're doing or they don't. But if they don't, if they don't receive you, you leave. And I think and, and so I think that it can we can. I don't think that we should not carry the burdens of our brothers and sisters. What, what I'm saying is, is that, yes, carry the burdens. Don't be in a stumbling block intentionally. Absolutely. One hundred percent. But also they have to have they have to they have to also walk with Christ. They mm -hmm. also have to understand that the Holy Spirit is inside of them and it has to lead them to accept that something's inside of me is 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 causing me to stumble. Okay, and brother, I, you let, let, let me just interject one sec. Go um, ahead. I, I was just trying to text, but it's just too much. My fingers just not working. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. When you talk about uh, the scripture saying, dust your feet, that was about speaking, that was about giving the message, about them not receiving the message, but that doesn't alleviate the responsibility that we are still to act like Christ. They may not receive Absolutely. the message, but I'm still tasked with the responsibility to not, to not make them stumble, whether they take on that responsibility or not. We were created in his likeness, and that means we need to take yeah. on his character. So Correct. even though my sister and my brother don't receive the word, I am still responsible, as Brother Ricardo say, as a Christian. Regardless if you receive the word, it does not take away our responsibility to still um, be concerned or conscious about the salvation of their soul. Yeah, we can leave. But the responsibility to go with us and as a minister and as you know as leaders we are held to a stricter judgment that's not vanessa right. that's not yule that's not jalen that's scripture we are held yeah. to a stricter judgment so whether they yeah. take responsibility or not we still have a responsibility as christians one second as a leader Two, to still be cognizant of what we do in front of saved or unsaved. That's something we took on, especially as a leader. We willingly took on that mantle. So we yeah. are held to a stricter judgment. And the Bible tells you. By God, though. Take God. on that mantle if you're not willing to do that. So yeah. I just have to interject because it's not bondage because the love Christ had. If you want to say bondage, he took on bondage for us and we didn't even deserve it. So what if he had said, like in my, my message in the chat, oh, you know what? You take responsibility for yourself. So I'm not yeah. going to send Christ to the cross because I want you to take responsibility for yourself. Then woe would we be had he thought the way that we did. Well, I'm not going to put my son in bondage because my child didn't receive me. I'm not going to put my, you know, you, you, you see where I'm going with this. So we no, have to get the I mentality and take on crisis mentality. There was no limit to his love. So why should we put limits on when we uh, are concerned or conscious of our brother falling or what we do as a woman? I'll say this and I'll step out because yeah, yeah, I I'm going to say this and, and I'll release the floor, but I am a minister. I am a runner. So I know about the clothes. I was actually told by one of the elders in my other church. Well, 
uh, Minister Vanessa, um, I seen your post and you were in your running clothes and um, you don't want to cause anybody to fall. And of course, my first thing was, well, I'm encouraging other women, especially mothers. I've had three children and I had, that was my first time in almost 20 years running without a top on. So I was just proud as Jalen was saying, it was just motivation for me and I was excited. But then it was brought to me by another mature. See, young women have to take some advice from the older women in the church. And they said, hey, you got to, re you got to remember your responsibility as a leader. And I know Corinthians says, don't let your good be evil spoken of. It's a whole lot of dialogue with that or shun the very appearance of evil. That's what it says in first Corinthians. So we yeah. have to be cognizant, brother. You, I know they got their own mind. They got responsibility, but we as Christians, if we are mm. going to take on the character and the likeness of Christ, there is no limit. There is no limit for compassion for our brother and sister, whether they reject his message or not. We still have to live that message. So that's it was too much to text. So I just had that's where my that's where my chat messages were coming from. So I've been there. I'm in the middle. I'm not old. I'm not young. I got young kids. I got older kids. And I tell them the same way. Yes, we have our own responsibility. But if you call yourself a Christian, no one made you do that. You said you were a Christian. So then you have to take on the likeness of Christ. And like um, Brother Ricardo say, we can't choose when we're tired of doing what's right. Or we can't choose when we're tired of being considerate of what we do in front of. We, we just can't get tired because Christ never got tired with us. Be honest, he's still not tired with us. So we still mess up daily. So we got to kind of quit putting limits on you know, how long we going to be concerned about the other person. We can't do that. Not if we're going to be like Christ. So I'm going to mute my, um, my microphone. Thank you for the floor. I thank you for your, uh, I thank you for the passion in your speech. I, no, listen, I agree with what you're saying here. And I don't, and I think when someone says limit, I don't think anyone says limits. What I think what we're saying, saying here is it's not even based on feelings. It's based on when do we give, when do the other person have the responsibility? As far as, even with the conversation you just gave me, uh, Minister Williams, about someone correcting you, telling you not to even wear warm-up clothes. At what point, it, why would that be considered a stumbling block? You see what I'm saying? Or is that a form of control? Is that not, is that, I think that's why we have so many immature Christians, because we love to look at the surface level stuff and not the heart stuff. And I think if we go to the heart issue of the thing, then we will have more mature Christians. We will win more souls and we'll stop recycling members because that's something that churches do is like, oh, we're recycling these members. But how many people that you getting from the club, from the strip club? from the world, you know? And I think if we really start to think about, do we have mature Christians that actually have an authentic, transparent relationship with God? Or do we have people following rules because they think that this is what God is saying to them instead of having a personal relationship with God? And so going back to that's why it's important to have the Holy Spirit. That is why it's important to be in your word, because 
If you want to live your life like that, have fun. I ain't got nothing, nothing to get you. But baby, listen, if I want to wear my workout clothes and my workout top, that's what I'm going to do. And I think we have to start getting out of some of that mindset because just because older people did it does not mean that they did it right. And I think we're in a generation now where people are looking at this word and they're like, okay, God, explain this to me and what you really meant by this. Because if I want to have a true authentic relationship with you, that's who I want to have it with. So I think it goes back to having the Holy Spirit and doing what he told you to do. And yeah, because my favorite line is Jesus was the person who always told people to mind their own business. Anytime the disciples wanted to talk about somebody else's issue, he was like, oh, I got this. So that just shows you the importance of having the Holy Spirit and having him talk to you and you being on a journey with him. Beamer has had his hand raised. Yeah, go ahead, Beamer. Um, no, I just want to say, man, um, it's a it's a very thin line because um, like I remember a situation with my wife. She was at work. She she's very modest, very very modest. I, and I wouldn't mind if she was if she dressed provocative if she to me personally, but she was at work and a dude hit on her, knowing she married, hit on her, was talking about did I know what she had on and what she had on was nothing for him to say that about. And he did it. And he was a deacon at the church. So how is that her fault? That's how, that's how I feel. As a man, because I'm be honest with you, when I get that phone call, I want to go out there and beat the brakes off the dude. Real talk. And for me, I'm like, Dad, you, you, how is that a stumbling block? If she's dressing my, she's at work, she's at a business, she's dressed in business attire. That's my point. That was my point. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I can, I understand the stumbling block, but at some point, dude, you just, you just nasty. And you, <laughs> that, for real, no, seriously, you, you have to handle yourself because it's a spirit of perversion. At a certain right. point, you have to start, we have to, we have to cast out certain, we have to discern certain spirits by the Holy Spirit. If we're dealing with a spirit of perversion, yes, be modest. I'm not saying not to follow God or follow Christ, all the word, or love and honor your brother and sister. But there's some spirits that we have to start discerning and understanding, hey, this right here is demonic and we need mm -hmm. to address what it is. And it may not just be and it may be a hard thing. It may be an envy thing. This may be a spirit of rebellion. This may be, it, it. we need to battle those things and start discerning those things as well as opposed to start, it starts saying, hey, do this or do that because this may be a stumbling block. No, it just may be something demonic in this person we need to be addressing and us Covering ourselves up, being a stumbling block, not being a stumbling block, isn't going to get that fixed because this is demonic and we need to check that thing. And that's what I think you, you have. You, it got to be a wisdom thing and understanding discernment in certain levels as well. Can I jump in, um, Pastor? Yo, this is actually Vivica instead of Will. Will's putting Vela down, but you um, hit exactly on where what I wanted to say that a lot of this time is not necessarily 
where we have to follow the spirit, but there is a demonic spirit that is taking hold of the vessel and the truth of the matter if you need deliverance then the the holy spirit probably is not going to convict you which is why you need to call for the elders of the church to be delivered and so sometimes we're thinking that you know maybe i'm not convicted of something because the holy spirit hadn't convicted me but really it's a heart matter where you need to go through deliverance yeah so when you go through that part, right, and you're sitting under someone that can cover you and can see what is happening, can direct you to where you need to go, then the Holy Spirit can start to do the inner work of re- of, of building and getting you to a place where you can hear, see, and follow his instruction where your spiritual senses are heightened. You know, it's levels to this thing, right? Yeah. So um, it's so important that you where you where you under the right covering to make sure, wait, am I not convicted because I got some heart stuff I need to work through or am I not convicted because this is not a conviction for me? That's good. That's good. Right. And That's I feel good. like the only way like to even know that it's just to really grow in intimacy with the father. That's it. It's like a lot of times, even when Jesus came. He said, um, I know it was written, but I say he would say it was written, but I say so he's saying like, OK, it's not just about what was written down in law, but it's about what he's saying. And that's what relationship. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for us. So whatever your conviction is, is it's he will be speaking to you, you know, because there are people like even where she um, somebody mentioned that stomach box and not just clothes. It could be food. Somebody really religiously believes that you should not eat a certain food. So if I go on and snap a picture of my plate and put it on Instagram and somebody's there and now it's I've, I've caused a stumbling block, you know, whatever it is. There are so many things out there that could be a stumbling block to another person. So I feel like even just you can't really live your life based off of that like you can really live your life but the holy spirit knows he knows you and he knows what's going on so i feel like as we really grow in intimacy intimacy with the holy spirit he'll speak to us and he will show us and so i agree listen i'm gonna i'm gonna cut it short (laughs) we done went almost 30 minutes over we done went almost well 40 minutes over. This has been really, really good dialogue, y'all. Um, really, really good discussion, for real. I really appreciate everybody who's joined today. Listen, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We went 30 minutes over. This is more time that I expected to be on here. But we gonna, listen, next week, we gonna dive deeper into these things. We need these type of dialogues. 